What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread with your host Dalton Locke and Whitney Williamson. Hey. And David Overstreet. Hey. And we also have a guest on the show today. That's Johnston. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We're really glad that you were able to come out. Now, I'm glad I was able to make it out, you know, with the weather and my school schedule lining up. So. Yeah. yeah, that weather was crazy, wasn't man, it? I got hit with a trash can. <laughs> with the Le- trash can legit yeah wow so we uh i got home and it started like just ridiculously storming and windy and um uh, i was outside covering the fire pit and then it just started full force wind and i kept getting blades of grass in my eye <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys we have a, a guest over because her power was out and so she has her dog with her so. yeah so you might hear a couple yeah. barks here and there. But so you got hit by a trash can? Yeah, so our trash can on the side of the house, yeah. it fell over and it was rolling <laughs> on the side of the house. And then I was running at it. And then at the last second, like the trash was out of it at this point. Yeah. So it was just the can. And it was just it just flipped up and hit me <laughs> right in the face. Maybe that was God telling you where you belong. Yeah. <laughs> I've already had that joke made once today. <laughs> So, um, no, not at all. Yeah, that's great. We dude. love you, David. Yeah. You're not trash. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. But so, thanks John- for taking out the trash. Hey, a responsible adult. Well, you're not out there, so. Oh. <laughs> Turn it around on you. Boom. Whitney, how about you? Love you, Whitney. Did you have to drive in the weather or anything? Yeah. So, yeah. about that, your girl almost wasn't able to show. I was like, mm, my driving plus this weather. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know if my insurance covers that. You called me and told me it was a mis- monsoon. It was. Like, I looked outside at work and literally you could basically see this tree, like, bending side, like sideways for real. And it was yeah. the one that was near my car, of course. And I was like, oh, shoot. So. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, Johnson, why don't you, why don't you let the uh, the audience know a little about, a bit about you, man. All right. Well. Uh, I grew up with David and Dalton, and uh, I met Whitney about a year ago now, actually. Oh, against yeah. his will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, I hop. That is a long story, too. He messed but... up and sat beside me like everyone else. <laughs> well, uh, I remember I was at the front with Dalton, and then you walked in. Front where? Uh, we, we were at the front door at the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the context. And uh, right before the service started, and then you walked in. I remember you were in your scrubs, and Dalton. Yeah, you just got off work, oh. so Dalton uh, called you over. I guess because uh, you looked like you were on your phone texting someone, trying to figure out who, uh, where they were, and maybe that was trying to figure out where Dalton was. Probably. And then we all three of us sat together uh, there for that session at the point. Uh, at the point, and. Uh, yeah, and you were just dying to go grab food after. He was like, yeah, we're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds and familiar, I, Whitney. <laughs> I, I feel like you were almost, like, you didn't want to go at first. Like, you wanted to just go on home or something, and we had to convince you. Hmm. I probably right. did if I got, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need to lay but, off Whitney tonight. <laughs> he just... But that's how it always is, though. We always have to convince you to go somewhere. Yeah. I feel like I'm usually, yeah, like, let's go, guys. Yeah. Usually. Maybe. Maybe. But you guys said I hop. So if there's pancakes, that's how you get me to say yes. That's true. Mm. But that turned out to be a really good night. Like we had a lot of great talks. Yeah. You know? Apparently there's some there's some real talk going on. Oh yeah. yeah, that is a podcast episode all in itself. <laughs> yeah. We will have to save that for another session. Yeah. Anyways, the Holy yeah. Spirit was working through Whitney that night and uh did some changes in Johnson's life. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, which was all the more reinforced uh, by some other things that the Holy Spirit was doing, but uh, I digress. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I gr- I grew up with Dave and Dalton. I've known uh, I've known them all. I think basically all your, all y'all's wives. Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah, you used to arrest me outside of middle school. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh no. Oh god. Did you say arrest you? Yeah. I'm so sorry, man. I was so rough back in those days. So I like. Uh, what do they call it? Car rider. I was a car rider in middle school, so my mom would like pick me up outside of school, mm-hmm. and Johnson would always spot me walking to my mom's car, and he would just run up behind me and just grab my arms and force them behind my back, and then just like 
you're under arrest. You have the right to remain oh silent. God. And then <laughs> shove me against my mother's car. What? No. And open the door and this would is put assault. Me, <laughs> and he would put me in the in the car. And my mom would be like, "What is going on?" This is straight up assault right now. Oh, she press charges. Well, guys, they're friends now, so it looks like it all worked out. Yeah, we sorted it out. He didn't oh. press charges, thankfully. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so sorry about that. I mean, at least you read me my my render rights. That, this yeah. is true. I did. I did read you your rights. Yeah. And, uh, and or at just, least the first first line. Yeah. You have the right to remain silent. Everything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, the state will provide you with one. Stuff like that. And the thing is now, you're my attorney. <laughs> yeah. I law will school, be. man. Yes, I'm in law school. Yeah, so, so what's the Holy Spirit got you doing in law school? Uh, it's a lot of just keeping my nose to the grindstone. Yeah. So uh, before quarantine, uh, occur, what my morning routine was is i would wake up at 5 or 5 30 a.m every morning i would take my shower and while i'm taking my shower i would pray yeah and it'd be whatever uh whatever's on my heart uh things that i'm uh, struggling with things that i just want to uh, be pray uh, be praising about uh, and then like things that are happening outside my people i was thinking about like uh, uh i prayed for all of y'all at least at one point uh, during those hours and then the, how i would end it was okay so what are we doing today uh what uh what do you have me doing assignment wise and whatever i felt pressed to do as an assignment that day i would go forward and and tackle that so yeah. if it was uh, research for a paper or research if it was so many cases and contracts over that many cases and contracts uh, if I were to lay off from an uh, from a, a subject because I was focusing too much on it, I'd laid off on it. And uh, that really worked. I uh, did not have a lot of anxiety. This was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 25 now. I moved to Birmingham at 24. It took two years off after undergrad. So it was the first time being totally isolated from anyone that I knew. Right. Yeah, the, the only people that I knew in the area were uh, my dean cousins whom I had not had contact with uh, in person for up to 14 years. So I hadn't seen them in 14 years, uh, but there, there was one visit, uh, I, should, I should correct myself, there was one visit that we made that summer before I moved. We were yeah. able to do that, and that was a blessing. Um, but other than that, I, had, I also had my uh, cousins, uh, Lynn and Carolyn, uh, mother and daughter respectively but they're all 30 minutes away 20 yeah. 30 minutes away so i am totally isolated living alone lots of anxiety lots of stuff was going on when i moved uh but just keeping that prayer routine and then figuring out what i got to do uh, uh, through prayer helped calm things down because yeah the first semester i have heard unanimously and i can confirm it is the worst semester because it's a huge learning curve and the first year is your toughest. Right. I like that uh, you include the Holy Spirit in just about everything that you're doing during the day. Um, because even if you don't hear anything from the Holy Spirit, you're still training your heart to listen yeah. to Him. Um, we were actually talking about that in a little snippet of uh, our last episode. Just including God in everything that we're doing and uh, our decisions and stuff like that. But um, so you made you recently made the decision that you wanted to do property law. Yes, I absolutely love property law. Um, uh, it it just clicked uh, the moment I sat in that class and started taking the course. Everyone there uh, in my class, uh, I was named the property guru. Uh, <laughs> My my friend Ladeal, my friend Adil, uh, who's in the other section, uh, they split sections up. They we have two different sections for property, and uh, he he called me the property guru. Uh, our you know one of our class representatives who's in my section, uh, Taylor Sims, said I was the property wizard. Uh, my friend Jake Norwood said uh, said you look like you're the kind of guy that loves property, and just over and over, there's all these different things that are piling up, but it it makes a lot of sense because. One, my dad, he has made the bulk of his living off property, uh, 
wills, trusts, and estates, which, which go to property. We had several cases that dealt with wills and conveyances. So you're saying the bulk, the bulk of his income has come from a lot of property it had, law? A lot of it has come from property law, yes. Uh, and some of the stuff that he's done that uh, does not bring in income. Like um, uh, when my grandmother passed, he was the trustee of her, uh, of her trust. So uh, whatever money my grandfather, uh, my widowed grandfather was going to receive, he was in. My dad was in charge of the trust. Yeah. So and and I've been exposed to that, and also just going back and forth uh, from Nashville to Alcoa, Tennessee, where my mom's from, uh, to see my family out there. I have never uh, stopped to look outside the window of a moving car when I'm in the passenger seat. Uh, I I have just love looking out uh, and looking at land, mm-hmm. and so having to handle a subject that's all about dealing with uh, land and personal property and estates and finances. There's a lot that just plays into it. Some of the stuff, uh, admittedly, when I was first seeing it transpire, I was very angry about. Mm. Uh, But looking back, it has given me that passion to really want to handle the estates and want to handle the wills and want to handle the property because of what I've experienced. Yeah, and so uh, and so, I really do feel like uh, I've been called to property law because I've not felt this excited about a subject since I started studying philosophy in undergrad, and that and that's what I got my BA in. Yeah, so obviously you're still in school, and so there's not going to be that much changing going on since you made that decision. But have you felt any resistance towards that topic oh, since no. you made your decision? Um, uh, internal resistance. No, no. I uh, I have joked uh, with my mentor, Kevin Burr, whom you know and David knows, uh, that I was pushed to law school because I didn't want to go to law school. Yeah. I uh, My dad's a fifth-generation lawyer. I was adamantly opposed to going to law school. But I have been pulled into property before uh, like having this urge and drive to go do something. I would have been, nope, I'm not doing it. No, no, this is not what I want to do. Because, in part, it was associated with what my dad did. I wanted to have my own little identity. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into, oh, you're Johnny's son, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, It's just that... But uh, everybody just assumes that you're going to be a lawyer because you're Johnny's son. (laughs) Everyone assumed I was going to be a lawyer, and I I didn't like that. I didn't like that assumption just because my dad's a lawyer, therefore you will be a lawyer. If I was going to choose law, I wanted it to be on my own terms. Right. Mm-hmm. But God recently pretty much made it clear to you that that's where he wanted you. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that was um, my senior year of college. Uh, I remember I went to Dr. Clanton, my advisor at Lipscomb, uh, fall semester, and I told him, I want to get a Ph.D. in philosophy. And he looked at me and said, how honest can I be with you? I said, well, you can be brutally honest he says it's hard to get in hard to find a job is there anything else you want to do and i looked at him and said well if i have to i'll bite the bullet and i'll go to law school okay well tell me about that and so i laid it out said well my family's been practicing law in nashville for 200 years but i don't want to do it and uh, this is <laughs> that, was ba- that was basically the sum of it and uh, i'd always gotten the impression he did not like his students going to law school so he looks at me with a big old smile and says, you're the most qualified student I know to go to law school. You should go to law school. <laughs> and it was just a shatter of glass before my eyes, just thinking, oh my gosh, I am being pushed to go to law school. And But even then there was still some resistance, but I was seeing like LSAT scores. Uh, you have to take the LSAT before going to, before going to law school. You can take the GRE, but... LSAT scores uh, for philosophy majors were high. Uh, there were some chapels at Lipscomb because it's a Church of Christ affiliate uh, school where there were people talking about having to go forth and uh, do things that uh, they were initially resistant to, that that's what they were being called to do, even though they had other ideas. Uh, my, uh, I was taking constitutional law at the advice of both Dr. Clinton and my dad and made some arguments that the teacher was impressed with, uh, uh, Dr. Hayes, Dr. Susan Hayes. And I was just sitting in my 
dorm room one day on my couch. I was flipping through uh, dual degree programs for JDs and uh, PhDs in philosophy because I, I was still <laughs> still resisting. Like, maybe I could get both. Maybe I can get both. And I finally just put my phone down and I looked up and I said, okay, you win. I'll go to law school. <laughs> so since you've made that decision and uh, this is kind of like a two-part question since you've made that decision to go to law school and then since you've made the decision to go to or to go into property law have you felt any like spiritual resistance like anything trying to keep you from doing that the only initial resistance that was really present um when i started law school was uh the death of my grandfather yeah so you know, when I when I went in, he he wasn't dead yet. You know, he hadn't passed, but he was dying. His health was failing. He was ninety years old. He turned ninety one when uh, uh, that October, while he was still in the hospital. You know, that was that was very tough. I was unmotivated because my grandfather was on my mind. Yeah. Um, and really, what helped uh, were a few things, and it it was amazing how uh, how God worked this. So there was one girl. Uh, named Sarah that I went to high school with and we'd had some interaction before in high school not much we we didn't really know know each other we just kind of knew we existed we'd been to the guidance counselor together uh, once before not um, uh, not walking in together but just incidentally filling out college apps and we lost touch totally uh, after high school but while I was in the hallway one day at Cumberland, I thought I caught a glimpse of her in the hallway. And then sure enough, I met her in the great room and I looked at her and said, you look very familiar. Are you from Nashville? She looks at me, I'm originally from Nashville. I said, did you go to Hume Fog? Yes. And so she, uh, she and I were able to reconnect uh, real quick uh, in that manner. And she was real helpful because um, it was her third year it's her last year and she was really helpful in uh, making sure that I was okay because uh, there were some times where she saw me starting to break down a bit because of everything that was going on and we would take some then she would actually take the time out and we would sit outside and she'd listen to some of the stuff that was going that was going on and uh, then uh, Professor uh, Hogwood uh, she, she was also very helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she would listen uh, to what was going on, and she encouraged me to uh, go to the counseling office yeah. to reach out. And so I did, and started going to see Doctor uh, Doctor Yoakum mm -hmm. about all my about everything that was bugging me. And he, uh, we've worked through a lot more as time has progressed, but just the initial. I'm losing my grandfather. I have all this stress. All of law school is getting to me, and I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm drowning. And once, uh, once I started doing that, things were leveling off. And uh, you know, and it's coming to law school at Stanford, so it, uh, the counseling office and the professors they do come at it from a Christian perspective. Stanford yeah. is uh, affiliated with Bab with the Baptists. Uh, I don't. I, don't know which convention, but I do know it's Baptist. Gotcha. Um, and uh, that was the start of, love, of starting of leveling it off. And one of the things that was very reassuring, because I was beating myself up about it, was Dr. Yoakum said, you're not going to perform at 100%. Because of everything that was going on, I was not going to be at 100% performance. Yeah. And once I accepted that, I just moved forward with it. Yeah. And what was your relationship with God like during all that? Uh, so I have not found a home church out there mm -hmm. uh, per se, but I was going to like my cousin's church. I was going um, to Homewood Church of Christ uh, at the suggestion of Kevin because he, he knows a man out there, uh, Ryan, uh, who is a member and, uh, I tried to read the Bible 
on Sundays because on the weekdays I did not have time because it's a full-time job plus a part-time job for the first year is how I was treating it. Yeah. Um, cause you, there's, I mean, law school is just so, yeah, it, yeah. it is a lot. And, uh, you know, before I was waking up in the morning before going to work, I would read and pray and then go to work. Mm-hmm. Now in the morning it was just, okay, I can wake up, I can pray, but all I can read is law, law, law. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Excuse Sorry, me. I just have to make the pun here. You know, Old Testament's law. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, good one, Dalton. That is true. Almost as good as your stumped joke. Disc golf, earlier. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we David and I were playing disc golf. My disc hit a tree. I was like, man, that's stumped. Mm. Yeah, just so good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Johnson. It's all right, but. But apart from that, uh, there was a Bible. There is a Bible study every Thursday uh, held by one of the professors. Okay, and so uh, Professor Martin he'll invite uh, the students to his house on Thursday night, and we'll sit there and we'll uh, go through a lesson that he has planned. When I uh, when I was going there for the first half of the semester, uh, and but he was going through Jonah. Okay, um, and and I I found out about Martin's Bible study. Through a two L Jaime, uh, we met at the cop. We met at a coffee shop, and uh, you know he said, "Yeah, I'm working with a Bible study with that one of the professors puts on," and uh, that was one of the first things that I asked him, and that's how we became friends. Because I said, "Look, uh, I need a community out here. I'm looking to have a community out here. Can you tell me more about this Bible study?" And that's when he let me in a little bit more because uh, some people want the brownie points because it's professor, mm. and so. No, they go because Professor Martin is teaching. Maybe, you know, maybe they can uh, get a good recommendation letter or something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but I genuinely wanted uh, to be among people who were like-minded, who were Christians. And I've uh, one of my good friends, uh, Mitchell. He, uh, he and I, we will talk theology uh, a lot when we're working out he's uh, he's one of my best friends out there uh, another friend of mine um uh, brendan actually i brought with me so uh, brendan's a catholic and i brought with me uh he gave me a rosary nice and so yeah so that's him do it that's him uh this is this isn't Br- <laughs> <laughs> no. he's in there no this Whoa. just I, pull I brendan out of but, a little yeah. pouch hey guys <laughs> Yeah, but but you know you you have your crucifix and you have rosary beads and the this is this is something that Catholics used to pray uh, or used with the pray uh, pray the rosary and you know, they'll uh, they'll say Hail Marys and uh, uh, the Lord's the Lord's prayer they'll say the Apostles Creed but I've used this to pray I've used this to pray um, on Saturdays before and mm-hmm. uh, and occasionally whenever um, I I pray I prayed the rosary or some of it at one point when he had something serious going on in Birmingham uh, uh, for Lent I, he told me that you could actually add something on uh, during Lent and um, so I thought uh, well okay I could add three Hail Marys uh, to Lent this is something I never I never thought about I at least tried to keep that up because uh, you know, uh, this is how life was pre-quarantine, post-quarantine, things started, you know, going downhill because I'm out of my element, I'm out of my schedule. But yeah, but that's really how the how my relationship with God, uh, with God out there has been is that I've been meeting uh, a lot of new people from different religious perspectives. I've been learning more about the faith itself, um, in dialogue with some of my friends out there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, well, I think we should go ahead and dive into the topic. Uh, which uh, we all kind of agreed that we wanted to talk about spiritual warfare, um, and so Johnson, that's why I was asking you why there was if there was any resistance, you know, after decisions were made, stuff like that. Um, just because it, it seems like whenever we do make a decision, a faith based decision, that immediately there's resistance, right? Stuff like that, and for you it was community once you moved out there, and then your grandfather passing away. Um, which, I mean, that's enough to, you know, break anybody down. If they don't have community and then they experience something like a death in the family, mm-hmm. 
definitely got to make sure your heart's in check. Um, and so it's really good that you were praying every day. You know, you found time to pray and you found a Bible study and you found community. Um, and I definitely think God had his hand in that. But uh, I just want to go around the room and see if anybody has an experience with uh, spiritual warfare, resistance, anything like that. Um, David? Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of mentioned this a little bit last episode, but um, I struggled with procrastination for a while. Yeah. Um, and the thing with procrastination is there's always that panic button when you need to do what you've been putting off that makes you do it. Right. So like you, you put it off for months at a time or weeks at a time or however long it is. And then when it's time to do it, it's just, you're freaking out. Yeah. (laughs) And I would always do that. I would always wait till the last minute on everything I did. And that kind of bled over into more serious relational issues too Mm -hmm. with me. Um, There were things that I was too lazy to do because it wasn't convenient and it wasn't, um, it wasn't exactly the easy choice, right? Um, but you know, God was with me during that time, and um, well, I'll just say it was—it was my last relationship that I was in. Um, it was very—it was a toxic relationship that that I knew that I shouldn't have been in, and um, God was pulling at my heart um, during that relationship. But there were all kinds of there was all kinds of resistance um, while I was there. Like so many things pulling on me to, you know, no, stay. Like it'll be okay. And then that procrastination kicks in. Procrastination, like how? Getting out of it. Yeah. You know, putting, try, starting to try and put God first in my life instead mm-hmm. of letting Him take a back seat. Right. That was what I mean by, that's what I mean by procrastination. Gotcha. So that's something that I'm still learning from. And I was telling Johnson this earlier in the car. Um, Then I was struggling with kind of being a pushover and not really standing up for myself. And now I'm fighting a different battle to where I'm trying to stay humble. I'm trying to um, really try and put others before myself because I kind of got on this high where I was really enjoying finally focusing on me instead of you know, someone else, um, yeah. and the relationship as a whole, which you should do when you're with somebody. Um, but I was just really enjoying the time to myself and I might've gotten caught up in that a little bit and kind of, again, let God take a backseat in my life. So, yeah, that tends to happen whenever we make decisions to get out of a situation and choose God. And then Satan trying to put, tries and pushes us over to the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've noticed you working on your humility and stuff like that. Like the other day we were playing disc golf and, um, you know, we, we, neither of us were having that great of a day or a great of a game. And you were like, I need to like calm down yeah, and stuff because you're like, you're getting kind of heated. Yeah. It's um, getting angry <laughs> <laughs> with every hit of the tree. I just, yeah. But you, but you recognize that and you told yourself that like just calm down yeah the Um, anger is something that i really struggled with too yeah um satan would use that to get in anger yeah i mean it's it was constant for a while for sure i would think about things in the past i would get angry i would think about why something didn't go my way i'll get angry why didn't it happen this way i mean and then i just had to come to terms with the fact that god has a plan Mm -hmm. and his plan is may not be something that I understand, but it's something that I do have to trust. Right. So. Yeah. He's working everything for the good of those who believe. Right. And for his glory. Right. Um, yeah, for me, uh, spiritual warfare, it's pretty much connected to what I brought up before, too, is the desire for a love of a woman. You know, I, uh, I'm still battling against pornography. Mm-hmm. I have good weeks. I have bad weeks. Um, yeah. I'm in biblical counseling for it. Yeah, um, I see my counselor once a week for it and stuff like that. Uh, but here lately, I've been doing really well. Yeah, and I definitely feel like the Holy Spirit has yeah. been a part of that. Um, That's awesome, man. But I've also received a lot of resistance mm. because of that. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really have the urge so much anymore or the desire to look at pornography, but Satan is, like, pushing it towards me. Right. To the point where, like, I'm not looking for it, but it's there. Right. Out of nowhere, a lot of provocative Facebook ads yeah. um, for women's clothing Stuff like that. What have you been looking up online? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, it's out of nowhere. Like, I don't know. Google search history is women's leggings or something. He's like shopping for his mom. Victoria's secrets. But that's what what I'm saying. Like, it's, that's why I say it's out of nowhere. Yeah. Because it has no basis to be like telling me to look at this. And that's how you know that you're, you could be making progress. Yeah. And God could be really starting to work in your life and i think that being honest is the first step right and like one thing i really admire about you is like you were so honest about your flaws and you were so willing to give those flaws to god and let him work in your life and yeah so i I just really admire that well i appreciate that um you know it's always helpful to to know that people see progress and stuff like that but i mean it just comes from the fact that I went so long with denying it mm-hmm. um, that it just got to the point where, like, I realized that it wasn't working. Sure. But yeah, I've also had people that I don't know on Facebook that I didn't even, I didn't even know I was friends with them. Suddenly, they started showing up on my newsfeed, and they're posting like provocative memes, yeah, and stuff like that. And it's like, where's all this stuff coming from? And then that's when I'm like. This is this is spiritual warfare. Yeah. Like this is stuff coming out of left field trying to get me to think about what I don't want to think about. Exactly. See, yeah, cuz what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. And subconsciously he knows that if he can plant those things in your mind, then it'll pop back up later and he can Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and that that is something that um that brings me to something that I wanted to mention anyway was preemptive prayer. Um, this Define is some preemptive. I'm, I'm about to. Uh, this is <laughs> a preemptive like... strike. That was like an English class. Like, that took me back for a second. Define that. Oh. Can you can you put that in a sentence, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, no. So preemptive prayer is something that uh, my biblical counselor introduced to me, but really it's it's a biblical idea too. Basically, you're praying over yourself in the future. Um, you're not just waiting until you're in the moment, until you're in the situation to try and pray out of, but you're praying for your heart beforehand. You're preparing yourself. Uh. Um, so you just pray to God. You ask him, Hey God, like I'm doing really well right now, but I know I'm going to need you later. Like I know when these, when the urge to sin hits me the most. And so I'm asking you to guard my heart and to be with me in those moments Mm -hmm. before I'm in even in them. And then when I am in the situation, I remember those prayers and I remember that God is with me. And so that it makes it easier to pray to him in the moment too. Yeah. Uh, Because when you're in the moment, you're already hit with this like guilt and shame for even thinking about wanting to sin Mm -hmm. that Satan uses that. And he's like, now don't pray. Like you're, you're yeah. already a sinner. Yeah. Like, there's no point in praying anymore. Yeah. But that defeats that, the fact that you prayed before. And so that's one thing that we can use to battle spiritual warfare mm-hmm. is preemptive prayer. Yeah. And it it's it works so well, yeah. at least for me. It reminds me of the, um, God, like, praying should be a first response, not a last resort. Yeah. yeah. And for a lot of people, it's just an emergency button because they didn't choose to ask God or inquire of him beforehand. They went ahead and like, oh, I'm sure he'll be fine with this. And then they get in a situation and then they're like hitting the emergency button like, oh God, now I need you. And he's not just a 911 God. Like he does show up. He does offer you a way out. He is protecting you. He's guarding you. But he's not just wanting the emergency call. Right. He wants the everyday, how are you call. Yeah, he absolutely is a nine one one God, but that he. <laughs> I love that. He's not just. We have the slogans, <laughs> but he's not just that exactly. Um, I mean, you, you think about it; these are very real human emotions, but these are emotions that God has given us Himself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so nobody likes to be the person that is only called when they when someone needs something. Yeah. And so yeah. we can expect God to be the same way. We don't. He doesn't want us just to come to Him just when we need something, mm-hmm. but He wants us to reach out to Him for everything. If you were in a relationship with someone and you only called them as much as some people call on God, quote unquote, yeah, that relationship with that person probably wouldn't have lasted very long. Right. Yeah. It's it's like what you mentioned. Uh, what was it? Two episodes ago. In a in a good relationship, when you love somebody, you call them and you ask them what they want for takeout. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like they're a they're a like before thought, not an afterthought. Exactly. But it's something that should be running through your mind like god how can i please you what can i do for you today yeah mm-hmm. it's not a selfish love no yeah so whitney what's um what's something that you struggle with with spiritual warfare do you want me to start at the top or the bottom of the list <laughs> <laughs> how about how about uh, you how about you give us like the main the main thing the main um, struggle the there's two big ones um one definitely more repetitive and sequential than the other um the biggest one would be unequally yoked relationships that can come from not knowing my secureness in god and it's not all the time sometimes it just comes in moments like it it even says um that satan will come back at a more opportune time so there's some moments that i stand strong in that and i'm like no i know who my god is i know that he provides and if he promised it to me he's going to bring it to me and it's going to be in the right season Okay, but then there are other seasons I definitely go through the motions just like everyone, and sometimes I allow them to lead when I know better. Sometimes you get in your head, you know, and you, it's it's one of those things, and I think we talked about it previously, but not letting good replace God. Yeah. And it's like you let go of something like you were talking about, Dalton, and then it's almost as soon as you're obedient, something comes along and tells you, oh, no, you made the wrong decision. You right. can go back right now. Right. You don't have to be alone. You can go back right now and... And, and and feel warm and happy and okay for a little bit. Yeah. You can feel instant gratification or, you know, you just start feeling lonely or something of that nature. Yeah. And so dealing with those emotions and knowing that he watches over his word to perform it. And if he made a promise to me that he's going to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How do you know when like this resistance is coming? Like, do you feel, do you like notice a strategy that Satan uses. Yeah. And so the really cool thing that I've also noticed is that Satan's not creative in his approach to you. He comes with the same old tricks. Mm -hmm. God's creative. God creates new things. Satan has the same old routine. He just waits for the opportune time to replay it. Yeah. And I think that that's why a lot of those insecurities are planted in us as children, either in the context between us and our parents, our siblings, kids in school, a lot of those thoughts and insecurities are planted when we're young. And we notice that repeated pattern coming as we grow and develop, even in adulthood when we're older. Yeah. It's, it's usually the same cycle. So if you really pay attention and write it down, things that you have struggled with, it tends to actually be the same thing. Hmm. Maybe different face, same situation. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, usually it'll come in the form of, uh, I feel really confident. I feel like I don't have anything to worry about. I take heed lest you fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> I might mess up and like give someone too much of my time or my attention. Uh, I tend to sometimes be distracted by potential. Mm-hmm. And so when I see exactly how God sees you and see who you are in him, I really see more of that than all of the other things that should be red flags to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm more willing to compromise and to settle for what I see that you could be, not what you actually are. Yeah. So um, a lot of times I've settled after feeling some form of rejection, though. So even more than just seeing potential in somebody, if I feel rejected by someone that I'm interested in, or I feel rejection because I haven't received what I'm waiting for yet, then I'm more likely to settle. And it always happens that a distraction will kind of pop up. Either someone you know, like texting me or really pushing for my time and being very like persistent. Yeah. But yeah, mostly like the unequally yoked or the distraction comes after feeling some form of rejection in another area of my life mm-hmm. and I'll already be feeling down and I'll want to feel comforted. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there are two categories 
when Satan can strike the most. It's when you're kind of feeling the lowest. And then people don't realize that when you're feeling good, like really good too, he can get in there. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why I always say that God is a God of balance. Like, yeah. because it's all about, like everything about being a good Christian is about balance. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Um, staying humble. Like you don't want to go so far that it, it isn't humility. It's more putting yourself down right. and degrading yourself. Yeah. But you also don't want to get so high that um, prideful, prideful that you become prideful, and that you become reliant on yourself and not on God. Yeah, insecurity and pride is definitely a part two parts to a perverted coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Johnson? So, mine, uh, like what you guys have been saying, is a good conglomeration of some of the stuff that I've struggled with. So. The places where I have had the most warfare have tended to be it's tended to be with love and death, and usually the two go hand in hand. Uh, it, usually, when someone has passed, that's when I am the most vulnerable. Or if I if I'm thinking about uh, someone that I have loved dearly and they have recently passed, I'm most vulnerable. And then that is the gateway that Satan uses to introduce. Uh, what I perceive to be love uh, because I'm desiring that love that I have just lost. I don't know about you guys, but my love language is physical touch. And, uh, you know, uh, some people might, some people equate that with, you know, oh, you want to, you know, kiss and hold hands all the time. But no, no, sometimes I, I just want people to be physically proximate with me because a lot of the people that I have lost, that's what I got from them you know my grandmother um was always physically proximate with me in some way uh, you know i used to sneak out of uh, my crib so i could go cuddle with her on her rocking chair so you know and that's one of my fondest memories is you know bringing the crib down climbing over the bar and then running to her uh, rocking chair so i could cuddle with her only to wake up in the crib again and we <laughs> did the whole cycle my crib did not work very well no no <laughs> I was a smart baby, <laughs> I guess, but, um, and the other was, uh, you know, um, my cousin Travis. I, mm -hmm. So Travis was three years older than I was. Where your siblings are not present, your cousins always are, especially your first cousins. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I was 10 when my sister was born, but before I had my sister, I had Travis. And Travis was my older brother. We never liked being apart. We hated it. We absolutely hated it whenever I had to leave East Tennessee. Well, when I was 18, he died in a car accident. He was 21. And uh, that was just everything coming, coming down because I had built up a lot of plans around what our futures would be like. Yeah. So everything got leveled. And, uh, you know, I was dating a girl um, at the time. We were high school sweethearts it it really wasn't the best uh, thing for either of us you know because i wasn't in the right space and she was not what i really needed i was i was settling yeah uh, but i stayed anyways because i didn't want to lose uh, i didn't want to lose someone again and then you know, fast forward i start dating a girl at the end of college we'd had a falling out prior uh and i was thinking well okay so we've reconciled i don't really want to uh, really want to leave, but there were also times where I could feel the inner pull of, I really want to make progress and go this way in the spiritual life, but she wants to be back here. You know, like uh, one example was uh, there was a girl on campus that I thought had a great Christian heart, a really great person, and uh, the girl I was dating said, she's okay, the Bible thumping annoys me. Well, that stinks because that's exactly the road that I'm going right now. That's the path, That's the direction I'm headed. Yeah. Is what you consider Bible thumping, which really isn't Bible thumping. It's just asking the more deeper questions of how do we, uh, how do we apply what we're learning in school to the church. Yeah. That was all just in part tied up with. I am not wanting to lose people. I don't, I don't like losing people. I don't like, um, having falling outs and I'm very vulnerable with that. 
uh, I've had some form of my family be torn apart at least three different times. Yeah. And so the people that I, the people I love, I don't get to see as much anymore. And it is, you know, it has affected me tremendously that I am willing to settle in those relationships, uh, for less than what I really want. Like yeah. I, I've known since high school, I want a, you know, I want a Christian girl, uh, even though I don't really feel like I deserve it because I do, you know, I, like you and Dalton, I, I struggled with porn. I had a, I had a relapse on Thursday and it sucked. Um, I, I'm, uh, and um, what um, what led to that? Uh, my cousin Sally got engaged. Yeah. So that was that was one of the things. So you know, like I said, love and death, man. Like feeling, feeling mm-hmm. lonely and just kind of well. Uh, I'm doomed to be alone. That kind of mentality is kind of present. Yeah. And so, so I'm just gonna Satan tries and uses uh, other people's accomplishments and their lives and compares it to yours and then tells you that you're inferior and that you need these things to be happy and that you need these things to be fulfilled. Yeah. I, I've struggled with feeling in an inadequate a lot. You know, yeah. like my dad once asked me, do you not know what, do you not see the potential in yourself? I'm sitting there thinking, well, what is it? Like no one's told me anything that I'm good at. And so like when I see people that are good at something that I want to be good at, I feel a little inadequate and feel like, man, I wish I could do that. Mm. Uh, and I'm pushing aside some of the stuff that I actually am good at that I don't think about, you know, stuff that I, I took for granted. And, and uh, actually, you know, we're talking on Saturday about some of it. And that, and that was one of the things I was reflecting on. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny that you guys, um, you kind of brought up not feeling like you're enough. And I actually had that thought cross my mind on my drive over here today and why we have these feelings in the first place and I don't know I felt Holy Spirit really put on your heart like and as cliche as it sounds it's true you're not gonna ever be enough for somebody else unless you're enough for you Mm -hmm. and I think really this season is us getting us like he's trying to get us to a place where we see ourselves the way that he sees us because what you look at is what you reflect so if you're looking at other people and you don't reflect what you see, you don't feel adequate enough. But if you're looking at him, he can show you how he sees you. Right. It, you ha- like yeah. We have to get to this place where we're looking at him and how he sees us. Yes. And that we're enough for ourselves. And I just want to add on to what you said a moment ago. You even won't always be enough for yourself, even when you're trying to be. You have to remind yourself that you are enough to God because... When he sees you, he sees Christ. Yeah, you reflect what you're looking at. Yeah. If, if we ever had enough in anything but God, we would not need God. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty evident that spiritual warfare is in our lives, and it's probably in y'all's lives, the listeners. Uh, and so we're probably just we're going to go around and see if we can give you any advice on how to deal with spiritual warfare, uh, how to identify it, how to deal with it, and how to rely on God through it. Um, for me, I would just reiterate that preemptive prayer is absolutely edifying. Um, it will prepare your heart for the times that you are dealing with spiritual warfare. Uh, it'll kind of teach your mind to be on the lookout mm-hmm. for things that are going to get you in a situation to sin. Um, so just... Pray with God that he prepares your heart for those times and that he provides a way of escape because He are, he's already promised that he will provide a way of escape whenever you are tempted. But it's still up to you to accept that way of escape, to take that route, to run back to God. So pray for yourself before you're even in the situation and then pray when you're in the situation and then pray and thank God after the situation. Whether you fail or not, Thank God, because it's not about whether you succeed or not, but it's the fact that you're relying on Christ and that Christ has already forgiven you. He forgave you 2,000 years ago on the cross. So yeah, just thank God for His mercy, for His love, for His grace and His kindness. Piggybacking off of that, um, on the other side of the coin, I would say the big thing that I would recommend is humility. Um, Just remembering who you are in Christ and 
not getting too caught up in yourself and just taking a minute to realize that you get your strength from him. And every moment you feel up and you feel happy is a blessing from God. And you should just be so thankful for that. Um, and as far as spiritual warfare goes, I think that that goes a long way in combating that. You know, like it, it, it allows you to put on some armor and get and kind of get ready for battle. Yeah. Like you were saying with preemptive prayer, I think having a good mindset to go into it with. I would equate humility with just being very cautious. Yeah. Just being cautious of what you do and what's around you and don't think you're too strong for anything. Right. But be also, honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, but also know that God's going to deliver you. And right. all things are possible through Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and to pick you back off of uh, being mindful of uh, surroundings, that's actually what I was uh, what I was thinking is mindfulness. I can think of uh, uh, several moments where um, I was in an area where just things did not feel right. I was uh, in a friend's house, and he had black metal paraphernalia. He had a Mackin head with an inverted cross on the forehead. And I remember walking into that house thinking, this place is evil. Uh, but also, it, it doesn't always have to be uh, that location that seems like it is evil. It can be very unassuming. Mm -hmm. um, I got intact in my cousin's old room, in Travis's old room. Um, uh, and that was the first time I ever encountered something that was uh, uh, like a dark demonic spirit um, in in person uh, and uh, uh, I, I remember it was at the foot of his bed and what I did was uh, I I had to plead uh, I had to plead for Jesus I pled the blood of Jesus and uh, he had a body pillow that he used to sleep with I would hug onto it whenever I was staying over at my mom and papa's house well that body pillow was at the foot of the bed and uh it was right where I had just had this vision of this spirit, this dark spirit rising from the bottom of the bed. And just the feeling of the best I could describe it was it's next to heartbreak, but it's not this, but it's not the same feeling. It's, it's anxiety. There's heartbreak in it. There's fear of what is this that's happening? There's a whole mixture of emotions and just being mindful of that. Uh, and then knowing where to run, um, uh, that I would say is one one of the most uh, important things that I've uh, that I've learned in spiritual warfare. Right. Do you have anything, Whitney? Just honestly, just staying in the Word and staying in prayer, learning to yield to God's voice, because I feel like a lot of times there are a lot of different things trying to you know talk and whisper in your ear, and it's which one you choose to listen to. Yeah. Also, really staying in the Word because it says the Word is the truth. The it's it's the sword of the Spirit. It's your only weapon of offense. When David was talking about spiritual armor, that verse follows directly after. Like we're not up against flesh and blood. We're up against like principalities, mm -hmm. you know, evil forces and rulers of this world. And it it goes and talks about spiritual warfare and the armor, and the Word is our only weapon of offense. Yeah. And when Jesus had to stand firm whenever he was tempted by Satan, it was with the word. Yeah. All of his responses, it is written. Yeah. And he declared the truth of the word of God. The Bible is, in a, is not a suggestion. It's the standard. Mm -hmm. If it's not Bible, I'm not about it. Yeah. When those thoughts come, it's really important for me to remind myself that if I'm not thinking the right thoughts, I'm going to speak the truth regardless. Right. And I'm going to stand on that. When you've done all that you can do to stand, stand firm. And so getting out the word and learning what it says, because it says it's dividing between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. And so just really, really speaking truth, because it does say that, like there is life and death and the power of the tongue mm -hmm. and what you say matters and you'll be held accountable for every idle word. So speaking the truth of the word of God um, is the main way that I want to grow in combating in spiritual warfare. Right. Just reiterate again what I was saying earlier. Uh, before Jesus was tempted, 
he was fasting for 40 days and he was fasting and praying for 40 days. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't say what he was praying for, but you can assume that he was praying for himself um, and for uh, when he was going to be tempted because immediately after the fasting, he was tempted by the devil. Um, so he's probably praying for God because he was fully God, but he was also fully human. And so praying to God that, you know, he's guarding his heart and that he's prepared and that he resists the devil. Um, and then again, there's another example of preemptive prayer uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Um, he didn't directly say, help me to do this, but he was he was surrendering to God, but he was also preparing his own heart uh, for the next morning. Um, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so I think that's a great example that we can take from the Bible for preemptive prayer. I'm just going to run, drill that into y'all's minds, but <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, while you're bringing a Bible illustration, this one just comes to mind about, um, uh, uh kind of going back to being mindful of your surroundings. Uh, what is evil does not just attach itself to people, yeah, but it can attach itself to inanimate objects or um animals so, and the thing that the one that comes to mind is when jesus encountered legion you know the, the uh, legion of demons and the one man and they uh, and legion said send us in these pigs and that's and that was uh, what jesus did when he performed the exorcism on the uh, on the man the spirits went into the pigs mm-hmm. and then the pigs went uh, into the river and drowned yeah one definite thing that I think we should just bring up in short uh, before we close is that I definitely believe there is a, a spiritual realm that coincides with the uh, physical realm. Um, and a lot of people get caught up on that. They get caught up on, is this a demonic spirit? Or is this just me? Is this just depression? Um, stuff like that. And I just want to encourage them that while it is very interesting to know that stuff, and it can be important to know uh, what's behind what's going on. Really, what you need, the first thing you, that you need to do is just run to God. We know that God is real. We know that what he's behind. We know what's of him. And so we can rest assured, even if we don't know what is the, what is the source of what's going on around us or in our hearts, we know that we can run to God. And that we know that we can go to him in prayer. We know that we can trust in him and that whatever is going on, he's in control and nothing can claim us because he's already claimed us. Yeah. Uh, just a thought piggybacking off what you're saying. Can I pull it from an illustration of Daniel? If you're stepping into the furnace without God, you will die from the flames the moment you open the door. Mm-hmm. That's what the soldiers did. Or <laughs> exactly. That's what happened to the soldiers. Is exactly. The flames were so hot that they died from just being exposed to the heat. Right. Um, but whereas, if you go into the furnace with God. Yeah, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had God when they went in, uh, God protected them from the flames, and then they walked out unscathed. Yeah. Didn't even smell like smoke. But yeah. Um, I guess we'll uh, go ahead and end with prayer. Nobody else had anything to say? David, you want to pray us out? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you for this time of fellowship. Uh, thank you for this time where we can um, have a medium to to reach people who um, not only may not know you, but may not know even of you, Lord, um, just to maybe provide some insight on spiritual warfare. Uh, I want to pray for everyone in this room tonight and um, everyone listening to this who's struggling with spiritual warfare. Pray that you allow them to maybe get something from this podcast tonight um, about preemptive prayer and um, humility and um, other things that were brought up tonight just um, arm them lord and be with them and keep them and um, we just pray for your guidance and um, be with us the rest of this week and it's your name we pray amen amen thanks again guys for tuning in to free wine and unleavened bread